Hello, uh, welcome to Worst Guitars. I'm your co-host, uh, Michael Tedder. With me as always is my co-host and co-founder, Zach Lopez. Hello. Uh, for those who are listening for the first time, Worst Guitars started as a reading series, formerly at the bar Hi-Fi and now at the Brooklyn Bar Pete's Candy Store. Hello, Pete's. Uh, where we get music writers, comedians, musicians, all kinds of fun people. We all get together and we read pieces about music to kind of celebrate music and music fandom and this weird, crazy thing called music that gives our life meaning. And we've been doing the podcast for about two years now, I believe. Uh, and we get people we uh, who we think are smart and funny. We get them on here and we talk about music and all that stuff. And today we have uh, the wonderful writer, Vicar Murthy who writes for the AV Club, Film Stage, and Vulture. And he mostly writes about television and film, but he's a big music fan at heart. And we want to... Hey, Beckham, nice. Thank nice, you uh, nice to see you guys. Nice to see you. And today we're going to kind of talk about something in his alley about like the use of music in movies and TV shows. And what are the ways people can use, like a director or music supervisor can use a song to make a scene better? And what are the ways in which you can just like slap yourself on the head because it was so dumb and clunky and going for an unearned emotion, et cetera. So, uh, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm a little bit of a scratchy throat, so I apologize for that for anyone listening. But um, I'm actually okay. Doing okay. Mm -hmm. Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> uh, are you excited for the game? Yeah. I, uh, not really. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to a friend's house and yeah. we'll drink and have fun, I suppose. I'm looking forward to lots of hot takes about Maroon 5. I keep forgetting the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people who are very worried that they might take a knee during the halftime show. I don't think we have to worry about Maroon 5 <laughs> doing anything interesting slash controversial ever. Right, right. I, I feel like controversy is there, uh, is not who yeah. they are as a band. I think bland, uh, bland sure, why not? Uh, accessibility is, is their bread and butter. Sure. All right, so let's talk about, uh, so how long have you been writing uh, about film for? Uh, I want to say like, like five, five, six years. Yeah. Yeah. And how'd you get into it? Uh, I mean, I was, I just read a lot of criticism and I was always watching, you know, film and television and I went to college and I, uh, basically just kind of started writing for myself and then I wrote for a couple friends and then, uh, I reached out to publications with real names and mm -hmm. they, uh. They let me write. It's a very boring story. But, yeah, uh, I liked it. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. No, it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was. I, there was. Um, I think there was a period of time when the AV Club was looking for new blood, mm -hmm. and uh, I sent a pitch their way, and they accepted it. And now I am doing this forever. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk a little bit about music and television and film. Uh, when you're watching a TV show. Like, how much do you really pay attention to the songs? I like the songs. Is it kind of like a background thing that, like, it's kind of whatever? Do you really, like, pay it? Like, oh, they use that well, and that kind of really made that scene pop, or? I really, I pay attention. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for other people, but as someone who likes music a lot, I do pay attention to what uh, the music supervision is sort of, it, it, what the music supervisor is doing on the show. Uh, but you know, it's kind of a case by case basis. A lot of times music is just there as sort of a button to end certain scenes or to end an episode. Uh, oftentimes it's there to like, uh, give the scene some context, especially with like period shows or mm -hmm. like stuff that's set in like the eighties and the seventies. It's always, it gives 
writers and directors and music supervisors a lot of leeway to have some fun with uh, exercising their taste or trying to incorporate a song they've always wanted to use. You know, there's there's all that that kind of works into it. But uh, I tend to pay attention, um, mm-hmm. and it's sort of obvious when um, when someone is incorporating a song because uh, they think it it fits an aesthetic rather than just uh, if it's like a out of a specific love, you know? <laughs> Don't, uh, elaborate on that. What do you mean? Um, I'm trying to think of examples off the top of my head, but uh, I think... Basically, any Josh Schwartz show? Josh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I... Uh, man, I tried rewatching the first season of The O.C. and I, I couldn't do it. Uh, some things... Oh, that doesn't hold up? Some things are best left in the past. Right, yeah. I don't. I also just have a hard time with teen shows generally, but I, I, I tried watching it and I was just like, I'm, I hate every one of these characters. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I think I might like the first season if I were to watch it again. Um, I actually, I actually make a reference to uh, uh, "Welcome to the OC, bitch" in an upcoming Fader article. I really, coming up, <laughs> uh, just as, as sort of a symbol of this, as a, of kind of like tr- trying for machismo and failing. Did you uh, did you enjoy the OC when it was on Zach? It really oh seems my God, like I loved thing. it. It's it's come on. It's it's it was a it was a teen show where they're openly doing cocaine in the first party scene. That that's is true. true. That's yeah. like yeah. That's, and I also I don't like it's. I do not. I'm no. I don't think I would rewatch it. Yeah. You know, but it was fun to watch as it came out, mm-hmm. and uh, and the music cues are obviously very heavy handed. Yeah. But I also will not blame them for the overuse of Hallelujah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that they can be. I mean, they are the first. I think to make it. But, sure. I yeah. I don't think they are responsible for that though. That yeah. that's kind of the blame is spread around yeah. for that yeah. one. I think I mainly hold American Idol responsible for that. Yeah, American Idol. It was on an episode of The West Wing, I'm pretty sure, yeah. around that time, too. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, that, you know, it's, or Jeff Buckley. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like, uh, there's two different ways, I think, like, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can use music, but I think someone like Josh Schwartz just kind of, like, throws as many songs as possible to kind of denote, like, a hipness and a coolness. Yep. And I like the TV version of The Runaways. I love the comic. I'm a huge Brian K. Vaughn fan. And I like the show that's on Hulu overall. But all the songs are, I'm like, it all sounds like bleepy synth pop that you would hear if you were buying clothes at H and M or Urban Outfitters. Right. It's like <coughs> I'm trying to like even like it's like that band Cults, only like even more <laughs> like <laughs> even more like watery. Like I'm not attacking Cults. It's like it's like this stuff. This is there. It's like and Runaways the, 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 is the low hanging fruit of picking on Cults. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe I need a more contemporary reference there. Nobody want me to go drag up a, like a homeless guy from outside for you to kick around. <laughs> you know, but it's like, and I overall enjoy the Runaway show, but it's like, man, like all this stuff is like every minute there's a music cue of this very benign stuff. I'm like, why? Right. I, I, I mean, the example that's popping to mind is there's that movie that came out uh, last year called Mid-90s, the oh, Jonah Hill. It. How was it? Uh, it's okay at best, but uh, that is an example of a guy who has who had an enormous music budget and mm-hmm. was like, I will pack this to the brim with all of my favorite songs from the nineties. So it's like every like major hip nineties song. So you have like a song from liquid swords, you have a pixie song you have. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I think the, the, the one good track in there was there was a bad brains track mm-hmm. that I thought was like, Oh, okay. That, that seems specific enough. But like, yeah. man, there is like that whole 
movie I was watching this, I was just like, oh, wow, you have an enormous music budget. That's all Jonah I Hill can say. You know he's cool and has yeah, Absolutely. Taste. So yeah. what do you think? I mean, and I, I couldn't make it through the entire season, and I, but I know that people had very strong feelings, pro and con on this. But uh, things shows like uh, Westworld, where they take songs and then – make it so it's old time like we do right. they take like rate it's all like the barrel house piano version sure. of radiohead or whatever right you know? i i i will admit i actually have not seen a single second oh, okay. of westworld okay. but have you seen shows like that though, yeah no of course i i i also think that's a big thing in trailers which was i believe i wanted i don't know if it was started by this but if if you remember the social network trailer from 2010 which yeah. had like the choir version of creep yeah that was effective uh that was effective i think everyone took that as like the cue to just do like slow, very like minor key versions of 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 uh, Radiohead songs or just any yeah. '90s song. Um, I don't like it at all. Right? Okay. No, I, <laughs> uh, I think. I mean, that's just a personal thing. I think yeah. it's. I think it's a very. That's uh, all I ask. Yeah, it's a very cheap way of kind of uh, trying to hijack emotion mm-hmm. from an audience uh, by using nostalgia and minor chords <laughs> yeah oh yeah the minor <laughs> that are, chords that are just gonna that are gonna gonna get you in the heart eventually what, one of the things that, oh sorry you, you go well one of the things that uh two movies that use uh music use in a really manipulative way and in one way i hated it and in the other way i liked was uh guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. right? where the first movie it's just again like it's they use the 70s aor hits and it's just like oh now you're supposed to be, be sad now you're supposed to be excited, and it was just like, "Man, stop telling me yeah. what to feel at every moment." And but in the second movie, it was so arbitrary and like such non sequitur choices <laughs> that like, and I I think they were trying to do the same thing, but I actually really liked it on the second yeah. one because I was like, "This doesn't make any sense." Like, you're I think you're you're telling me to be happy, but it's a sad scene, and you're telling, like, so I was like, oh, I, I definitely love the opening shootout scene to uh, Mr. Blue Sky, but yellow. That was an inspired choice on James Gunn's part. Right. But to go back to your Westworld thing, yeah, I did watch that show, and I would like my time back if possible. <laughs> uh, and you're right. Like, it started off kind of can't, like... It can't be given back. You're closer to the grave, my friend. And, like, it started off being remotely kind of clever. It's like they do, like, Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun as a string thing. But at some point, we get into show about people who are actually robots and some of them don't know they're robots. And at some point, they started doing uh, various Radiohead songs. It's just like head smackingly obvious. Yeah. Right. I uh, I'm trying to think of like in terms of HBO shows that use music well, I would point to The Deuce as like mm-hmm. a show that is like set in the 70s, I think late 70s now, it's going to go into the 80s in the next season, but that is a show that uses music specifically and and to like heighten scenes and not to overdo it. They especially use a lot of good disco tracks that aren't super well known. Uh mm-hmm. they ended last season with uh the Upper Tender song, Mystery Achievement, was very well done. Um, but I think, you know, I think this is a time when <sighs> music supervisors have are, are getting a lot of leeway. And I think that's good. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting. And I think that allows for, like, you know, uh, some, some interesting scenes and allows for a lot of, for people to experience music they haven't heard before and all that nonsense. But I also think that, you know, <sighs> Every 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 freedom comes with comes with uh, comes with uh, limitations, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I think people kind of go crazy with it, and sometimes you got to really just. I think the best stuff is when you just pull it back and really yeah. really uh, uh, sort of deploy them sparingly, you know. Like I think my 
Okay, the for, the worst is when like you're trying you're trying to use song to earn an emotion that just isn't earned right, by the yeah. acting or the scene or whatever. But the second most annoying way to use music is when the director is trying to show you how cool they are, which sounds like what Mr. Hill is doing. <laughs> and like there's so many different things I love about the film Ladybird. But one thing I always loved about it was like Greta uh, Gerwig did not do the thing where Lady Bird was a precocious child with like incredible taste. With a Sonic Youth poster in yeah, her bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact that she had very bland suburban taste. Like she loved Alanis Morissette and Dave Matthews bands. Like I thought that was legitimately a brave yeah. thing to do. Yeah, no. I mean, in the, 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 <laughs> the, the reasons why Juno is a terrible movie are, are, Vast. As, as vast <laughs> as, 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 as you didn't like Juno, huh? Shocking. Go I, yeah, on. I know. I'm really going against brand. I'm thinking uh, the, the weird, like, I can't fucking get into Juno. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a garbage the, movie. The first 10 minutes of that movie, uh, it's very clear that, like, everyone who, every studio exec who read Juno only read the first 10 pages because, <laughs> like, the worst, the worst parts of that movie are entirely within the first 10 pages. Like, all of the, the terrible slang, all of like just the ten year stuff, it's all within the first ten minutes. I think after that it settles down, yeah. but it never becomes good. Yeah, I would, those yeah, I first would, ten I, minutes are hard. I would argue me. that it is I, I like the movie overall, but the stuff with Dwight uh with Dwight from the office oh and Guinea are tough. Yeah. But go on what you're saying. Uh oh yeah, I think I was just using that as an example of this this sort of thing of just being like, you know, you know, no disrespect to Whatever, whatever the, the, Cody. Dakota Hellfire or whatever, yeah. like whatever, <laughs> fucking Diablo. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, you know, it was just so clearly written, mm-hmm. you know, by this person who would be probably be one of my peers or my friends, yeah. you know, who would just be like, but who is just like, these are the bands that I know, yeah, yeah. These bands and, that I know, right. you know, and it's like, and it's just like the cliche. Uh, okay, yes, there are, I mean, we were probably all that person, like the kid who like, you know, obsessively researches music and you're 17 and you know who The Clash is and you know who like Buddy Guy is. Yes, that person exists. But the cliche of like the teenager or child with like this expansive movie taste or music taste that we keep seeing again and again is just so tiring. Like Big Little Lies, pretty decent show overall, but Reese Witherspoon's car- daughter in that base is like a elementary school kid with the taste of a NPR DJ. She's constantly playing like you saw it, right? No, I didn't, but I heard about this. Yeah, uh, she, she's constantly playing like this, like really good soul music from thirty years ago. It's like no kid listens to that <laughs> shit. Yeah. She listens I, to Katy Perry. You know, or, or, or the thing is, you can make it like if a kid's supposed to be like an alternative kid. Yeah. Then, especially if it takes place like now or something like yeah. that, like then they should be someone who listens to, you know, a lot of those bands that that I don't particularly like that have like. You know, four million YouTube. It's like Mac DeMarco and mm-hmm. all those right. sort of like, yeah. like that's fine. You know, yeah. I don't like that stuff, but like that's what a precocious, yeah, smart kid is listening to, and all like, uh, you know, basically, but basically, like I'm on this weird. Uh, uh, Sam Ray from uh, Ricky Dacid, yeah. and uh, he's put me on this nameless twelve person group chat mm-hmm. of all young indie people oh, yeah. really? and they're all great and they're all really funny and smart people but they refer to bands all the time that are on like run for cover records and stuff like that that i've never heard of yeah and i look up these bands and they all have like you know four hundred thousand fans and mm-hmm. stuff like that and those are the people that like kids should be talked about listening right. to yeah even if we're like 
oh, this isn't as good as Silent Hill. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this is I think this is an interesting thing to talk about because I also tend to get I tend to get a little wary of this argument because I also I think especially if you're sorry setting, to bore you. No, 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 no <laughs> not to bore. It's just I also think that if like you're like setting something in the present day and you have a you have a young kid who's like into music that he or he or she theoretically should not be into, you also have to like remember that like it's too easy to get into this kind of music because of the internet. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like I think if you're setting something like in the nineties or in the eighties where like crate digging was actual, like an actual act that you had to, you, mm-hmm. had, you had to go somewhere and finding this kind of music was a little bit of an actual venture. You had to leave I, the house. You had to leave the house. I think you can make the argument that that's a little, you know, it's a little unrealistic, but I think it's so easy to like know about Sonic Youth. It's so easy. Right, right. That's to, fair. It's, it's that's just, fair. it's just all like, which is what I did as when I was younger, which was like, I had the internet and people, you know, People will ask me now, like, how do you know about all this music? I'm like, I was a very lonely teenager. I right. had the, I had like a Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> yeah. it's, I, it's not, I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of effort on my part. I just like did a lot of research and I listened a lot. I think that's fair. So I guess maybe I should, I should amend my argument it's, where the, if they're going to have the Sonic Youth posters, then they should also have some of the contemporary yeah. stuff and they should do both. We, absolutely. But I just wanted to ask you, this leads to the obvious question of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started. I, I'm well, doing that. Started. I'm getting you started. I, I only saw the first season. It right. made I, me I, very upset. Uh, um, God bless you. I just, I don't know. Like, I also, the thing with Stranger Things is that I was writing uh, entertainment news posts at the time. And if, uh, I think anyone who was writing entertainment news while Stranger Things came out has the right to, like, hate Stranger Things way disproportionately more than it deserves because (laughs) it was just, I was writing like four or five posts a day about stranger things. And I was just like, I don't, I don't fucking understand. Which stranger things child were you? Oh my God. Like that. Oh my God. Also just, I I have never seen a show that was so, it was like designed by an algorithm. Oh my God. That no, that God bless you because that was, that was the thing that like, I get, you know, bring her up a lot in the show. My girl, Zora, my girlfriend who Mm -hmm. does the theme music for this. uh, She, you know, because it was when everybody was like really loving it, and everybody on Facebook was like, "You have to check the show, check so." And she was watching with me, and I, I was enjoying it. Yeah. But she was like getting, <laughs> you know, just furious. Yeah. And she was just like, and she said, she was like, "This is written by algorithms. Yeah. This is just. This is just. I, ha- I have a huge problem with a lot of these Netflix shows because I just think they really are like. And you hear creators say this all the time. They're like. Netflix knows what people want, and I'm like, that's that should trouble you. <laughs> like, if they if they instinctively know what people want, that should that should worry yeah. you because like you watch Stranger Things and it's just like, oh, E.T. plus John Carpenter plus uh plus you know any yeah. Spielberg uh, movie. Yeah. Like, it's just it's just you put Every them all together plus the Goonies. You yeah. put all of them together and you'll get something like this. And it's just like you might as well. I don't know, man. It watch makes, the, it, all those all those right. movies. I, I will <laughs> say I overall enjoyed Stranger Things. But, like, I remember in the very first episode, Freaking Africa by Toto. And even at the time, I was like, I'm so sick of the song. I wish Toto would go away. Little did I know, Weezer. Little yeah. did I know. Yeah, no. Don't so. get me st- I mean, Toto is just, I don't know. Let's get you started on it. I, I, I hate that song so much. I really hate Africa. And, like, I hate it to the point where, like, I have friends who are fans of that show. I have friends of that song who really just, like, get on my case about it. But I just think that, like, I don't know how we have gone what is it like over 20 years and yeah. like Africa has not gone away. It is like, like still sung. Why, why is it in TV shows all the time? It's What's in, your theory? Because, well, it's, it's kitschy and it, it has a, like it's aesthetically uh, of a time and place and you can, you can, it's like a very, 
I don't know, it's very sunny. You can kind of, you can set it in something that's a very positive light. But it's still like six white assholes blessing the rains down in Africa. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It, it's, it, there, there, was a, there was a writer, Steve Almond, I believe his name was, mm-hmm. years ago. And he was, he was sort of <laughs> in fashion. He's a good writer. But he did an entire like PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. of like how it was one of the, one of the worst songs ever written. Mm-hmm. And I think about him all the time because he made a really like concise argument as yeah. to why this is actually like objectively a terrible song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it does also raises the, 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 it is interesting because we are like, this is, this is obviously a problematic song. It's a terrible song, but it's being played in that desert. And, and uh, Oh my God. Yeah. Is it Ghana. Yeah. I, I think, I, yeah. It's Ghana. And when I lived in South Africa in whatever, 95 or something like that. Um, and you know, when Mandela was president and was going through like these great thing, you would be in bars, and I'm not talking about just like white bars. You would be in like no. Shabins, like where it was a mixed or an entirely black audience, and they love the fucking song. I, I believe that 100. percent Yeah, wait, it's, it's just when did you live in South Africa? I've known you for quite a while. This is the first I'm hearing of it. Listen, I got listen, I get you know, I got I got layers. He's got secrets. Uh, I did um, not know when I was when I was a uh, when I was 19. But it's funny because that's like. That's the power of pop music in many ways. Mm-hmm. And like it absolutely just transcends like all of that stuff. And it's just people like the groove and they'll hear yeah. it. I, I mean, I think it's crazy. And I, I think I, I do blame Weezer for subjecting me <laughs> to this nonsense again. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, man, people love, people love Africa. And like if you're in an acapella group, even to this day, someone will be commissioning you to sing Toto's Africa. It's yeah. just, I don't, I try to I don't think, get it. How much money would I pay to not hear an acapella group do Africa? I think if I were in a room and acapella group is about to Africa and the only way I could leave was to be like pay a lot of money, I think there's no amount of money I wouldn't pay to leave. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'd go as high as like 20 bucks. So yeah. what are some, uh, give me, what do you think that might be your favorite use of a song in a movie or TV show? And what's something that, what's your use that really, really bothers you? Because I got, I got, I got one for each. Okay. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. I'll and then I'll give, give me some time to think about this. I think because I saw the movie at the right age and I love it. And I still think it overall holds up and like it definitely loved the soundtrack. Uh, the scene in Train Spotting where Hugh McGregor is going through withdrawal, having nightmares, and they play Temptation by New Order. And I like knew who New Order was a little bit when I was a teenager, but definitely that soundtrack is like, okay, I guess I like Britpop now. <laughs> and that's still, I think, one of my favorite uses ever because like, it, like, it captures the melancholy of the song, but also like the rising action. You, you see his agony. I think it's great. On a, as far as I, one I hate, kicking an easy target, like it's the easiest Please. target you possibly do, but it's like, it's worth it. Uh, Zack Snyder is the easiest person to make fun of on the internet, but... I remember watching Watchmen. Because he's a hack. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went and saw Watchmen. And, okay, so first off, you had the sound of silence at a funeral. It's like, oh, God. And, like, every <laughs> possible, like, song. And, like, all it, the movie starts off pretty good with, like, the times are changing, like, that sequence where they alter history. That's actually legitimately pretty clever. Good on you, Zack Snyder. But it keeps going on. The most obvious songs you can possibly pick. And then... And so obvious turns around to be kind of hilariously brilliant when there's the sex scene with a uh, night owl. Right. Yeah. You're reminding me of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to the Leonard Cohen's, uh, the Leonard Cohen's version of Hallelujah, and it's just so fantastically bad. Isn't it? Doesn't at one point like 
fire spurt out. Yeah, and that's from the comic, but still, it's still pretty funny. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I remember, even I remember that. I was just being like, wow, I was like, man. I wonder if Zack Snyder thought this was erotic. Like, I wonder if he thought the way this was shot, the way it was scored. I wonder if he thought, like, yeah, this is going to get those uh, fanboys nice and horny. Because, like, nope. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I can give you one I really hate that I just remembered. Uh, and it's from a movie that I can't imagine most people have seen. But uh, my roommate, Charles Bermesco, his, like, uh, one of his jobs is to watch every Netflix original movie mm -hmm. uh, because he has, like, a column at Vulture where he ranks all of them. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes see a lot of these movies that he has to watch. And, and spoiler alert, most of them, the vast majority of them are awful. Yeah. And uh, one of the worst ones he had to watch was uh, one made by the Workaholics guys. Oh, Lord. Uh, I think it's called Game Over Man, and it's like their version of Die Hard. And uh, it's a terrible movie. Oh, my God, I started to watch that. Yeah, that is a terrible oh, movie. Oh, it's so, it's so, so, so bad. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's like painfully bad. Yeah. Like so... to the point where like I wonder if they like had dirt on like all of the people they brought in. Mm -hmm. Because like, it's just, I mean, no one would be in this willingly. I don't know. I, anyway, so Netflix, they're printing money. So maybe they're just giving these people a lot of money. But the end of this movie, they close the movie with You Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon. Okay. And like, for whatever reason, that was just the last straw. Like, <laughs> I was just, I was watching this movie and it ends on like a yacht and with all of these, like these three shitheads just like having a good time with like babes and brews. And it's mm -hmm. like, you could call me Al blaring in the background. And I lost my fucking mind. I was just like, how dare you drag Paul Simon into this? Mm -hmm. Like, how dare you drag maybe the best song in Graceland into this? Yeah. All just because like you have money yeah. and this is like, to you just kitschy 80s fun mm -hmm. that you probably grew up with and you and it's so clear these guys are like let's just put for regardless of how it fits into like the film or whatever you want to call an aesthetic is like we just want to put this song like we want to close it was so cheap and terrible and like granted it, there are probably worse examples out there but the no, one that good. really just came to mind was that one that just like set my teeth on edge maybe lost lobos slipped them a 20 right. to, to diminish the, the <laughs> absolutely <song. laughs> yeah um as for a good one, I mean, like the the movie, the movie that comes to mind is something wild uh, by Jonathan Demme, which oh, yeah. has like a really great soundtrack, yeah. and you can pick any numerous uh, songs from there. But uh, there's a uh, at, at like the midpoint of the movie, there's a scene where uh, Jeff Daniels and uh, uh, Melanie Griffith uh, go to a high school reunion, and the Feelies play mm -hmm. uh, the show, uh, play the reunion, and uh, they play uh, "I'm a Believer." Mm -hmm. And they have, there's a great moment where they play that song, and I think it's one of the best sort of. Uh, I think that's a perfect. Sort of, yeah, that's, that is a perfect. Per you know, there was a there was a weird like, um, there was a period. I guess I guess it was a lot. There was a, lo a long time actually, a good like ten or fifteen years where you could get you could have your whole taste in music changed and improved by buying soundtracks Absolutely. of certain movies. You know, going from. You know, after hours, getting into like getting you into bad brains or something like that. Yeah. To John and the Dem movies are, of course, a perfect example. Yeah. Uh, Married to Mob soundtrack. Married to Mob is great. Yeah. Is so so good, and um, with even with the cameo, uh, Chris Isaac as the, whatever it was as, <laughs> yeah. the, as the mobster. I mean, as the, as the hitman, and uh, but in, which you know leads to, and this was sort of when it was beginning to decline. Um, in the 90s, a lot of rom-coms, teen rom-coms had amazing soundtracks. And then it became, and this, I think this, you could make the argument that this was the beginning of movies just using these shortcuts, mm -hmm. you know, like real, like heavy handed. Because one of my favorites is 
all the young dudes in Clueless. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a funny, it's kind of just like a throwaway joke. And yeah. it's also not correct. Those kids would not be listening, but it's also just supposed to be playing mm-hmm. in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that and the Angus soundtrack and like these are uh, all really, some of them are better than the movies, you know? Uh, but then it was around a little bit after 10 Things I Hate About You mm-hmm. when it was just a list of songs right. yeah, and I they think, were just used for like, or covers and right. stuff. I and think you could probably argue that like, as far as, okay, not using like older songs like Pulp Fiction soundtrack, but as far as using like current contemporary cool songs, you could say like Clerks was a really good sign. It peaked with Empire Records. No, it peaked, it peaked with Clueless and the absolute, uh, absolute falling point off was uh, the American Pie movies. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Though I will say the Clerk soundtrack does not hold up. Probably not. It's got, I mean, Girls Against Boys is still good. I but, can't. Like, what is on the Clerk soundtrack? Uh, it's, like Bad Religion. Uh, okay. It's not. But it's it, it, it's not as good as you think. It, yeah. Like go go revisit. A lot it. of it's, night- got, it's got seaweed doing. You can go your own way, yeah. which is great. Uh, but it's 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 not. I, I think was, this is interesting because if you actually track it, maybe it's also like the fall of that kind of stuff came with the rise of like Napster, right? Came yeah. with the rise mm-hmm. of like actually just like being able to make your own soundtracks uh, from just not actually paying for music. I think the height of the soundtracks were at a time where people were actually buying music, number one, mm-hmm. and buying these records. I think that's also kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, no, that's, uh, that is a good... Sorry, go on. Oh, I was, I was just, as a side thing, I wish, I, you know, it's, it's really hard to find the cruising soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Only, you can get it on CD it's or so vinyl, good. but you can't get it, like, you can't just download yeah. it. And there's one song on it that's not on iTunes, not on Apple, not on anything. And it's one of my favorite songs. And I can never remember who did it. It's one woman. She was like a, uh, like a downtown model type. That song, when I close my eyes, I yeah. said, such an amazing, amazing, song. amazing song. And nobody covers it. Nobody's released. And it's, I mean, the, the Mink DeVille songs are okay. But the, that song <laughs> is so great. One, it's like one day I want someone to pay me to write a story about, I have the theory that the Angus soundtrack is the number one soundtrack for a popular CD where no one saw the movie. <laughs> and like being a teenager at the time, I was just like, oh, cool, new Weezer song and a new Green Day song. And there's like other cool stuff. Like there was that band Ash was on there. I think like the Muffs were on there. Dance All Crashers. Yeah. Let's not forget Dance All Crashers. And like, I think I may have seen Angus, but I don't know for certain. <laughs> and what I remember about them, I think the backstory of that movie is it's about like an overweight teenager who's very awkward. But I think what I've read is the original cut of that movie was actually a pretty solid movie. And a lot of the storyline is about his dad is gay. And then being the nineties, being a conservative, that dumb era, it got edited to take out the gay father plot line. And therefore the movie made no sense whatsoever and <laughs> flopped. Uh, I vaguely remember it. Not made. I mean, I saw it and I remember thinking it was sweet and I don't know that it made a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I only know this movie by reputation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, not, I've not seen it. I actually know it because of the sound. Yeah. No, then that, yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah. buys into what you're saying. Uh, great, but great. what you were saying about the Napster is a good point because now I can't actually think of, oh, that's a well-curated soundtrack because I don't care anymore. Right. I'm yeah. trying to think. I mean, like the last, I think that Adventureland is a really good soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although that has, a, that has a moment. That drives a couple, a few of my colleagues crazy. Where they're, what happens? Uh, I think at one point Kristen Stewart plays a big star song mm-hmm. uh, for Jesse Eisenberg, and I remember I think two of my colleagues uh, were just like, "There is no fucking way these kids are listening to Big Star." Right, like, and right. like he's like, I, "I just, I flat out refuse to believe these kids yeah, listen." I, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still don't believe that anybody listens to Big Star. So <laughs> let alone except uh, for rock critics. Yeah, except, uh, except for the the people in that documentary. Right. Yeah. Um, um, and Mary Lou Lord. I also think uh, shout out to Mary Lou Lord. 
20th Century Women came out a couple of years ago. That has a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. Um, what, what movie? 20th Century Women. Yeah. Uh, Mike it's, Mills directed Mike, yeah. it, not the R.E.M. Right, right. Uh, okay. Mike Mills, but... Uh, yeah. And uh, it starts off with a Talking Heads uh, song, and it's really good. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Talking Heads is a band that uh, now is perilously overused in film and television, but when used well, yeah. it's very good. Well, I think like... Yeah, they were the 20th Century Woman. They were briefly in Calling By Your Name. And they're fairly frequently, they're fairly frequently used in The Americans. Yeah. Oh, now, yeah, The Americans was a show with a great soundtrack. The, they, uh, I, did, I did bring this up in the last season. They had, I think, three Talking Heads tracks, mm-hmm. like, in the last season. And, like, no, they had two. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I think they had two in the same episode, mm-hmm. if I don't remember correctly. And one of them was... Um, Listening wind. No, well, the the good one was listening wind. I mean, the one that I what I said at the time was, uh, if you're gonna do like if you're gonna have two Talking Heads songs and one of them has to be a big one, mm-hmm. I think it was uh, burning down the house was yeah. the other one. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if you're gonna have the big one, you're gonna use a big one, and it's burning down the house. It's pretty cool that the other one you're using is listening wind, which is yeah. like not well, not right. as played. It's a as deep cut. Yeah, um, yeah. That they use it a lot. They also use, there are so many Fleetwood Mac tracks in, in The Americans, which and, I uh, find very funny. They, yeah, like they would kill people the Fleetwood Mac songs, which is always funny. Oh, there's a great scene where they just kidnap a guy to the chain, and yeah. they edited it to the song, mm-hmm. which is, again, if you're going to use the chain, edit it to the song. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Like, I think like The Americans is probably the best use of music of the last 10 years uh, in a TV show, followed closely by my beloved Halt and Catch Fire. All in Catch Fire is good. I yeah. would say Mad Men is. They yeah. have some. You can't beat Tomorrow Never Knows on a TV yeah. show. That yeah. that will. I remember. I saw that live, and mm-hmm. I remember that blowing my mind to pieces. I was just like, "Oh, okay." Well, I love you about, spent like yeah. a, almost a million dollars on yeah. this on this song. <laughs> like, what I was like about Halt and Catch Fire was they were really good at getting like songs from the '80s that weren't obvious. Like one character was like listening to Hooster Do. Yeah. Like there was a great scene where that was scored to uh, uh, Gary Newman. Uh, I think our friends electric was the scene I was thinking of. Like, I like it if you're going to do that. Don't go for the obvious stuff because if you're like you're going to be in the '80s, don't get, don't use uh the most obvious Talking head songs. Don't use uh once in a lifetime once or something. That's right. just like that's well, just but that also raises a good point. Like one of the things, one of the reasons why a lot of John Cusack movies don't hold up, mm-hmm. and you know, no disrespect to John Cusack, yeah, but is they are so sort of like glaringly like his mixtapes yeah right yeah and yeah. and it's and it's it's distracting you yeah. know and i like all the songs mm-hmm. i find them affable you know and there's a there's other reasons why a lot of those movies don't hold up yeah <laughs> um but uh but one of them is is that sort of like it, it, it's almost like there's a, there you, you you something can be too well curated yeah where right yeah i definitely think there is something about like there are mixtape directors uh mm-hmm. i mean cameron crow great example uh yeah wes anderson mixtape director mm-hmm. uh but like i think there's a way to make that your aesthetic mm-hmm. and then just kind of like going with that and then there's i it's always a tricky line to walk because some other sometimes it's just that it's just like it's very just forced but i think like if you're going to do it, you really have to like commit. I think you really have to just be like, this is, you know, this is who I am. And like, and for better or worse, I think Jerry Maguire is a great example of just a movie that is like such a, like a mixtape movie where there is like every song is just like, this is my favorite. Cameron Crowe is saying, this is my favorite song. 
right, right. Now. right. No, and that makes sense though, because I think, but I think with Jerry Maguire, it's actually not distracting it, because you're like, okay, this is stuff that he likes, but he's just, you know, this is just. You, I, I know I don't do. Ideally, you're not thinking about the soundtrack if you're watching this romance. You're thinking about yeah. the romance, right? Exactly. Um, and you could make an argument with the John Cusack stuff where, like, there is this some sort of like alternate world. Mm-hmm. Where like the English Beat is the biggest band you know that ever <laughs> yeah. existed, and you, everybody really like it because it is consistent from movie mm-hmm. to movie to movie where people really enjoy third wave ska, yeah, you know, and that or second wave ska, second wave mm-hmm. ska, second wave ska. Excuse me, yeah. Uh, real quick correction, I had to I had to look this up. It's actually Slippery People, not Burning Down a House. Oh, as the other, oh. As the other okay. Track. All right, thank you for that fact check. Right. Well, you know, try to be. I think there's a famous story that John Cusack, when they were like figuring out what song to use for the Peter Gabriel scene, that John Cusack was earnestly pitching the Fishbone song "Boney in the Backyard." <laughs> I don't know if that's true Graveyard. or Boneyard. Yeah, Boney in the Backyard. I don't know if that's like <laughs> true or like a weird like joke someone said. I really hope that's but true. I would, I, hope I, it's would, true. I would love to see that version of the scene. Uh, and and and. and uh, especially if it had the same effect. Yeah. So then there was just like generations of dudes in trench coats. Yeah. Just like, you know, forcing their like, you know, their, their poor sophomore girlfriends to listen to boning in the boneyard. <laughs> Say know? what you will about John Cusack, but he had, he had a very admirable drive to try to make, make fishbone a big band. He right. did what he could. He really did. And, and you know, I, I, and I will, I would say that I think fishbone holds up better yeah. than, John Cusack. Movies, I'm, surp- I'm, I'm surprised that like of all the '80s things, Americans have come has ended, and uh, Halt Fire Catch ended. Halt Catch Fire ended also. There's no current '80s shows, but I'm surprised no one ever got around to uh, Party at Ground Zero because that's a great song about nuclear anxiety. Song. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. That's a good question. It is a good question. It should yeah. be reused. I I think. Uh, um, yeah. I well. I I have a you know. Well, whatever. I'm not going to get in trouble for it. One of my own little private uh, jokes with myself that is in terrible taste mm-hmm. is, you know, the new mall, uh, the new transit hub by uh, World Trade Center, the oh, Oculus. Yeah. The mm-hmm. you know how it looks like a giant fish bone. <laughs> it actually looks like a the, the skeleton uh, of a fish. I had not noticed that. Uh, well, it does. So oh, every time I see, I see, where we're see going it, here. I think of fish bone right. party at. Okay, right, right, right. I see where we're and going. And then I. Give myself a little slap on the wrist. <laughs> yeah, carry on. That's good. I'll, I'll say it that's on my good. podcast, but I won't tweet it. That's yeah. uh, no, that's a, that's a good joke. I'll, yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you props for that one. Thank All you. right, so I think we're we're coming up with some good ground rules as far as like how to use a song correctly. Like, don't go obvious. Don't beat people over the head with it, and make sure it's like seems organic to what the scene's actually about. I think that. I mean, I if you want to talk about something that I just saw yesterday, I just watched that uh, new Netflix show, Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is okay at best. I think it's wildly critically overrated, but uh, they use a Harry Nielsen song oh, pretty cool. as like a motif. Right. Uh, oh, which song? Uh, Gotta Get Up. Oh, okay. Uh, okay cool. Oh, I love that song. Which is a good song. And yeah. it's like, it's very much like it plays into the whole ground day. Groundhog. Every time her life resets, mm-hmm. they the Harry Nielsen song plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like good. That's like a good, I think a good example of like a specific song with a specific context used appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I just think the key is even if you're gonna go obvious, make it as specific as possible to yeah. either the scene, uh, and not to flatter your taste. Right. I think it like it always has to serve a scene more. And are you thinking? Are you saying it does or it does? It does. It does. Oh, it does. I think. I think. 
for better or worse, that show is that show is flawed. But I think the yeah. use of that song is. I'm gonna watch it. Just I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list because I'm always pulling for Natasha Leone. She's great. To, she's phenomenal. Right. That's that's all I need to hear. Uh, yeah, she's yeah. she's much better than the show. Okay. Um, she uh, acts like Carol Kane. It's really great. Uh, oh, that sounds cool. great. No, yeah. she's she's consistently much better in than whatever she's whatever doing she's in her in. life. No, know? absolutely. It's it's uh, she's, great. she's nuts. Um, yeah. You know what song uh, movies or TV show I recently started watching? You also uses music really well, kind of in Mad Men way. Uh, Lodge Forty Nine. Oh, I love Lodge Forty Nine. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know, I, I watched it the other day, and I really it's really it. good. I'm glad people are watching. Lots it it, it like uses like really like nice SoCal beach pop type stuff. Right. Like it it avoids like the it doesn't go like straight Beach Boys, but uses stuff like that kind of sounds like it would fit well on a Dennis Wilson Dennis Wilson inspired playlist. You know, uh, is it is it stuff that's written for the show or is it no, stuff just older stuff? Sometimes it is. Okay. Uh, I there's like a band in the show mm-hmm. uh, that I think uh, the music they play is written specifically for the show, but they also play like uh, I think the first episode ends with a broadcast song, mm-hmm. which is super cool. Yeah, um, yeah. But like that's a that's a great example of a show that when it uses music appropriately mm-hmm. and sparingly, and I'm very glad that people are watching it because that is that is a that is a show that is, has a very specific aesthetic very specific yeah. worldview and yeah. uh it doesn't feel of this era in yeah a good way. I, I was i was really surprised i watched just just on a whim because i hadn't read anything about it i watched the first couple episodes and i was like at least i haven't seen any of these characters on other shows yeah like i haven't seen these personalities mm-hmm. i feel like i'm actually watching something new right. i haven't felt like that in i mean even <laughs> the shows that i love you know you're usually dealing with absolutely no it's yeah. uh I mean, yeah, it's funny because I'm just like, I've been beating the drum for the show yeah. since it first aired where I was just like, I was shocked I got a second season. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just shocked like, too. I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm actually sad about Channel Zero. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, stupid sci-fi channel. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm still going to watch the uh, Expanse one these days. I know I need to. It's awesome. So has a soundtrack ever turned you on to an artist that you love? Like, yes. Uh, give me, give me, give me uh, I mean, if you want to give me, like, if you, it, I mean, terribly obvious, but I, uh, I saw High Fidelity when I was like fourteen, and mm-hmm. uh, I became a diehard Beta Band fan yeah. after that. Where I was like, oh, I like the song, and then I heard the three EPs, and I was just like, oh, this actual album is great. And then mm-hmm. I heard everything else by them, and I'm like, oh, this is this is all great. So yeah. that is, I mean, a very just like clear cut, and I'm like one of every American who ever got into that band. Yeah. Uh, and they're very upfront about that. It's really funny. You talk to they, you interview the band members now, and they're just like, "That movie is single handedly responsible for any American fan base that we have ever had." Period. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is just the one that comes to mind immediately. Shout out to the Beta Band. Shout out to the beloved record store, New York record store, Other Music, where when I was an intern at Men's Journal one summer, I actually went to Other Music and bought Beta Band. Cause I'm that basic bitch. <laughs> I bought the three P's at other music. I'm th- I'm that guy. No, That's what I did. I don't know that I've ever. I think I still have not actually heard. Yeah, it's it's great. I, I, I don't think it'd be your thing. I don't think it'd be my thing. But I've heard it's very good. So I respect it. It's, I respect the the lives you guys are living. Has uh has other has other music's closed? Has yeah, it? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I think I went there twice. Uh, when I was in college in mm-hmm. Philadelphia, I think I came one of the few times I came up to New York. I went, and I'm glad I did because now it's closed. <laughs> I uh. A soundtrack that I loved when I was a kid, and I think I overall like it, and I can't even imagine rewatching the movie, but it definitely got me into a lot of bands is The Crow. The Crow? Oh, sure. Yeah. No, 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 that was a great... Also, I don't know that I can listen to it now or watch the movie now, yeah. but... Yeah. 
but that was a great Teen Angst soundtrack. I'm pretty certain that was the first time ever I was ever exposed to Joy Division via the Nine Inch Nails cover. Okay, and and uh, Gold Dust Woman, yeah, uh, Holes cover. I think that's the second soundtrack. If I could be wrong. Oh, really? It was definitely the first time I ever heard the Jesus and Mary Chain. Also, was it was it like a lot of industrial or was yeah. it okay? Yeah, but it was like also like, like pop industrial, pop industrial. Like, like, which okay. was which was you know yeah. was the. Yeah, was the thing at yeah, the time. Yeah, at the time. It's, wearing giant black boots and like a lot of mascara. Um, so how do you feel about, like, do you have certain soundtracks, uh, non, like, uh, like compositional soundtracks, like not, not like songs, not, not syncing, but like, you know, I know that people revere like the original uh, Blade Runner soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, right. Like okay. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely Blade Runner. I also think like, I think the social network score is good writing music. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I think Trent Reznor does pretty good, pretty good scores. What's uh, it, he's bec- you know part of his sort of like the historical revisionism, which I'm fine with, of be him people taking him seriously as mm-hmm. opposed to just being <laughs> Trent Reznor brand. Right. Trent Reznor uh, is his composer. Right. Well, it's funny because I've just ne- I've just never been a Nine Inch Nails person. Mm-hmm. I've tried, and I'm just like I don't hate it, but I'm just like this isn't my thing. Sure. Uh, but I think he does really good score work to the point where, like, oftentimes his, the score is often better than the movie. I was not a big fan of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, but the score to that movie is fairly exceptional. And it's yeah, I it def- almost entirely true. because of him. I definitely like the Bird Box score more than the movie, which is just fine. Uh, did he do that one? Yeah. Okay. I and the movie's see fine, Box. but it's like not, uh, you don't have to run out and see it. Right. But I'm actually a huge Nine Nails fan, and uh, I hope he won. No, it's cool. Uh, it's a. Uh, uh, no, one, no, I thought you were know, making a, a fake. <laughs> no, 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 no. like, and it's actually like important to me as a human being that one day Trent Reznor goes EGOT. I want that. I want that for him. He he very well could, yeah. right? I mean, because he's got an Oscar and he's got a Grammy, and maybe he'll get an Emmy for that Watchmen show he's scoring. This Watchmen show probably won't be good, but maybe it'll be Wait, good. They're doing a TV show. Yeah. yeah, Damon Lindelof, who did The Leftovers, is doing it. I mean, maybe I'll be okay. The Leftovers wasn't bad. I like I like yeah I like the leftovers too yeah. but oh that, you know the use of music and leftovers was, was yeah, yeah. Well, okay I can see it going either way there's some yeah that's one that when it's good <laughs> it's good when it's when it's not good it's not yeah. so good um, the leftovers is a very interesting show because I think that like I I that show was roundly criticized in its first season for I think somewhat unfair reasons but like I think. Ultimately, that criticism helped it become a different, better show, mm-hmm. which is I, I just think that never happens. Yeah. Usually, what if, was the criti- I, I... oh that it was just it was just unrelentingly miserable. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. just it was. And my whole thing is is like yeah, but like have you have you seen the premise of that show? Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's by unrelent- design unrelentingly miserable. Yeah, it was hard to watch. It yeah, was it's just you're watching but... people like in in the throes of grief for like hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I dug it. Yeah. And like, it was very much like, I think he talked about it. How it was like, he came up, he created the show, like following Sandy Hook. He was not in a good place. Like it was just like, right, right. he was just like, yeah, I mean, we were miserable making that first season and we were miserable writing it. And yeah. like, it was all that. I'm like, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so how do you like, uh, sorry, not to jump around, no, please. but, but I was also thinking about, and it, you know, it's almost become cliche to, to, to credit, to critique this, but it's also fair, you know, the sort of, uh, soundtracking for vietnam era movies <laughs> you know where where because i mean even the, the the post came out and like there, there was a uh you know just like the ccr like mm-hmm. oh, yeah you need a creative it, song it's vietnam here right. we are fortunate son you mm-hmm. know yeah uh i mean man 
yeah, I think I think if you're if you're using, I mean, I thought the post was okay, but mm-hmm. I mean, you you watch it now and it's just like, anytime you do any Vietnam scene and there's a Cretan song, you you better be careful. You better be doing Apocalypse now. I mean, like it's, I don't know. Like I uh, I saw the Ken Burns uh, Vietnam series and. I mean, I thought it was actually really well done on the whole, but I think a fair avenue of criticism is that that whole series is just using like every cliched Vietnam song from right. like beginning to end through the out the whole out the whole damn thing. And it's just I don't know, man. I, I think that I, I some things are cliches for a reason and some things are but I also don't think that gives you an excuse to Yeah, because there were other, to, there was other popular music right, at the yeah. time. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, I don't know. And they're rarely using like funk and soul and no. stuff where I'm pretty confident a fair number of the people fighting in the Vietnam War sure. were listening to some of those bands. Do, what you know? do we blame for that? Is it good, is it Good Morning Vietnam? I think it's Good Morning Vietnam. I think it is Apocalypse Now. To a I think extent. it is Apocalypse Maybe Now. Maybe yeah. Forrest Gump a little bit. Forrest Gump oh probably. Oh my God, Forrest Gump. But, it, but I think it's definitely Forrest Gump for like the basics and yeah. and Apocalypse Now for the auteurs. Right. You know, because right. they're all guilt. They all do it. Right. You know? yeah. I know Apocalypse Now has uh, the Rolling Stones, and they play Credence during like the Playboy Bunny scene. Mm-hmm. But like when they're on the river, they're playing the Stones. Yeah, I believe in Good Morning Vietnam, it is Credence. I could be wrong. Yeah, that, but it's all like this. Yeah, all, the- all along the Watchtower. And yeah, stuff like. yeah, yeah. But the thing, the weird, the funny thing about I was actually watching Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. a little bit last night. You know, before I was just like, I don't fucking want to watch this. And uh, but. Uh, it is. It's. It's very funny to see the beginning and starting with the end, just because the Doors are correctly mm-hmm. kind of like. I mean, I love certain songs by the Doors. Don't get me wrong, but they're a deeply silly band. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like a profoundly silly band. Yeah. And it was just funny to be like, "Oh, this is ridiculous," mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And it's beautiful. You know, it's beautiful, and it's kind of moving. Right. But it's funny as hell. I think. I yeah. think. Weirdly enough, that music cue, if we want to bring it back to the original topic, Please. retroactively justifies the Doors' existence. Because, like, I think that song on its own is very silly. Oh god! I think when you're watching it over an explosions in the jungle, and uh, Martin Sheen losing his mind, and like whatever, I think it it works really well. Well, it was interesting because I think you're absolutely right because it actually does change the way it changes the Doors from being this sort of like pompous pop group with delusions of, of something else to this strange man crooning right. over this. And it actually retroactively makes it more Nick Cavey, right. even though mm-hmm. Nick Cave was obviously influenced by Jim Morrison and stuff sure. like that. But it actually does make you, so I think they raise a really interesting point. Yeah. I think it's also one of those, it's one of those songs. That now just, I like it. You <laughs> changed my mind. <laughs> I think it's one of those songs that can't be removed from, that is just so tied with the, like with the movie that it's, uh, that it's featured in. It's like stuck in the middle with you and Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just can't hear that song without thinking right. of that. Uh, I even think maybe Wave of Mutilation with Fight Club, I think that is just like kind of stuck in there. It's weird how that works. Like sometimes yeah. songs are just so uh, committed to a scene where you can't you can't yeah. separate the two. No one else can ever use it again. Yeah, you can't. Right. Oh, yeah. Unless Because then it just feels like a reference. Then it just too. feels like a reference. Absolutely. Yeah. Like anytime I think a movie references the sound of silence they are referencing the graduate absolutely and like you can do it yeah. in a funny way in old school or you can be Zack snyder about it <laughs> or yeah. like staying alive i think that like if you're gonna do it's so weird uh so like an airplane 
they have that scene mm-hmm. where they're they have the like the staying alive scene, which is a reference to Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you ever got if you guys ever saw Ted, which is not a good movie, but Ted has a scene that references the airplane scene. The Talking Bear. The, the, movie? the Talking Bear movie has a scene that references the airplane <laughs> scene, which is itself a reference to Saturday Night Fever. Uh, yeah, it that's is always like, strange. It's right? that's so weird to me. Where I'm just like, it, it's like there's no way. I think again, if you're going to play Staying Alive, I don't think there's any way to play that in a in a movie without referencing Saturday Night Fever on some level. It's a meta Ouroboros. <laughs> <laughs> the snake eats its own dumb tail. You know, but that actually raised, you know someone who's really underutilized for soundtracks, and maybe it's maybe they charge too much, or maybe they're not even available. Is early Bee Gees. Yeah. Mm. You know that it. So if you're you know if you're doing music syncing, if you're listening to this show. Check out check out. I'm assuming you are. Yeah. You know. It's time to play whatever mining disaster nineteen whatever, <laughs> whatever year, uh, yeah. So let's uh, wrap it up. Name a song that you think should never ever be used in a TV show movie again. Like, what do you you get a ban one? Ooh, should we um, take Hallelujah out of this? Yeah, Hallelujah Um, oh man, I mean, you get one permanent ban. Fortunate son, I think. I think you got to get rid of that. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I love I'm I, I, I love Credence to death. I think they are. If I had to make like a top ten favorite bands of all time, they would probably be on there. But like that one is just so overused to the point of like you can't. It's it sounds like a parody every time you hear it. It sounds like a parody, and it also kind of misrepresents Credence's body of work. Absolutely. Which anyone and when I was younger, I loved that because it's like their punk song, and right. MIA covered it. The the punk band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like you know, and everybody covered it, and it was like the punk song, and then. You listen to Credence, and that's not what they sound no, like. No, no, <laughs> you know? yeah. not at all. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think Fortune of Sun. I think if if I'm trying to think of another one, that's. Do you have one off the top of your head, or permanent ban on anything from the Nirvana catalog? Okay, okay. Do people? You know what? I can't actually. Yeah, think to- and it's always cheap, and it always it feels like a strain. So let's leave Kurt Cobain be. I can't even think of it being used. I mean, maybe, maybe I think maybe I've listened to Nirvana so much yeah. that it actually just sounds. And I like love Nirvana. No, you're I right, love Nirvana too, but I think I might not even recognize it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Just, you don't want that. You don't want Nirvana to be wallpaper. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I can't even think of one that like bump. I think you guys cover well, especially Fortunate Son covers the ones. I did think of one thing, another one that I like genuinely moved me when mm-hmm. I saw it, and I don't want to revisit it, but the use of I think it's sticks. In Freaks and Geeks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sail Away. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever want to see that in something else again. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I, at that one moment, yeah, you know, and that I was old enough where that should not have affected me. Like, <laughs> I, I should have sort of seen through that scene. But it man, it wor- I was just like, oh. It's, well, also with that scene, it's just like you're just, you're waiting for the yeah. other shooter. Anyone who has any knowledge of that song is just like, oh, no, you guys got to hurry up. You guys got to hurry yeah. up. And then, and then, and then it's over. Cool. I think that's probably a pretty good place to end it with. Freaks and Keeks. Right. Uh, Vikram, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm sorry for my voice. I feel like oh, you, sound, you, sound, you sound like an angel. Oh, thank uh, you. Thank you, Zach, for being Zach. Um, we do the words like my mother. <laughs> we do the words and guitars podcast, or we do the words and guitars reading series every second Thursday uh, of the month at Pete's Candy Store. So drop them by and check us out. And thank you for listening.
This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!